Robots Radio. Games. Lore. Stories. Community. Just press play. If you're an athlete, you know the greatest motivator of all is the fear of letting your teammates down. After all, a team is only as good as its weakest link. So you owe it to those wearing the same jersey as you to be your best every time you step on the field. That's why there's no vape in team. When you vape, you can expose your lungs to toxic chemicals that can damage your lungs. If you're a step behind, the team's a step behind. Brought to you by The Real Cost and the FDA. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. This episode is brought to you by Reese's Peanut Butter Cups. In breaking news, leading scientists worldwide are conducting experiments to determine if Reese's Peanut Butter Cups are the perfect combination of peanut butter and chocolate. However, it appears the study was inconclusive, as the scientists couldn't help but eat all the Reese's. Because when you want something sweet, you can't do better than Reese's. Find Reese's now at a store near you. Welcome to the Cyberpunk Lorecast, where we brave scanning the net to find all the deep history and lore of cyberpunk. I'm Toasty, a fixer that's new to Night City with a desire to jump into the details of this gritty setting. And I'm Genesis, an old school media tech with a love of character deep dives. Together, we will bring you the foundations of the past, the state of Night City today, and the news of the future. We've got incoming. Let's Delta. Welcome back to another episode of the Cyberpunk Lorecast. I'm your girl Genesis, and with me, as always, is Toasty. Today is a special episode with over 856 thousand subscribers on YouTube and close to 1.5 million monthly listeners on Spotify, 11 full albums, and overall just a super chill dude. We are so honored to welcome Gav from Miracle of Sound onto the show. Thank you very much. Thank you for the very flattering intro. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, it's not, so, it's nice when people do their research beforehand. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I I was definitely researching and googling you, and then I was like, is this creepy stalker mode? No, this is just yeah. a fangirl looking into like the major history and the lore of Miracle of Sound, and then your numbers were astronomical because it's like I've been a follower since way back in the day. I mean, I remember listening to the Commander Shepard song when it first came out. I was like following you on YouTube since level one. I've been here. And so you've been here since before the first version of City of Night. So, yep. (laughs) Nice. 
yeah, things really kind of um, things were going well up until about 20. Uh, 19, 2020, and then things really blew up, which was unintentional, but uh, very much appreciated and enjoyed. <laughs> and then TikTok became a thing, and your sound bites uh, exploded even further. Yes, exactly. TikTok is a, a double-edged sword for me. There's been good and bad that came along with it, but um, for the most part, it's had a, a good influence on my work and my career. So can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into nerd-themed music? Um, yeah, I kind of, uh, I've told this story many, many times, so anyone who already knows me knows this story. I uh, was in bands for most of my 20s. I did tours. I was um, signed to record labels. Kind of the old cliche, just when we were about to make it with, with one of my bands, the whole thing fell apart. And... Uh, the record label dropped us and we all fell out because of um, basically musician stuff. And uh, I was kind of, I had poured 10 years into this band, so I was pretty depressed when it fell apart. And I just uh, posted a stupid song about Gordon Freeman online as a joke to try and cheer myself up and people liked it. So I did a couple more and... After doing about nine or ten of these, I started to realize that this could actually be a potential career. <laughs> it just kind of evolved from there. And uh, over time, the songs have stopped being kind of funny or memes. And now I try to write songs that I'm kind of actually proud of and will still want to listen to in 10 years. And my golden rule for songs these days is that someone who's never played a game in their life has to still be able to enjoy the song. So, uh, Miracle of Sound Songs in 2020, it's 2023, isn't it? Mm -hmm. <laughs> I forget. Miracle of Sound Songs in 2023 are much different than they were in 2010, for the most part. Gordon Freeman saved my life. Oh. That's the one. Yeah. <laughs> that is the song that started this project. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I can, I can see the evolution of it because, uh, like, the song that always stuck out to me uh, was the Commander Shepard song. And that one, you have to know the game lore in order to kind of understand what's going on in that song. Yeah, um, plus the song, the song is a meme in itself. It's kind of a joke. It's not meant to be taken very seriously. Um, that was That was the first kind of moment that the project started to get some traction. And then it was with Wake the White Wolf in 20... I think I put that out in 2014... Um, it was out before The Witcher 3 came out, I remember that. And uh, that's when the channel kind of doubled in size when that song came out. And then when Valhalla Calling came out, everything just went <laughs> completely gangbusters. When that song came along, that was when the channel really exploded and my career just tripled, quadrupled, <laughs> went into the stratosphere at that point. Completely by accident, I might add. <laughs> Not by accident. You've put in the time, the hard work, and the effort that it takes to create the music. So kudos That's to true. you on that. It's not an accident. But speaking of on that, how do you pick what games that you're going to cover and what games you're going to create music for? Um, that process has changed a lot over the years. There was a time uh, in particular from about like when this started up until about 2016, 2017, where I would try and like cover almost every big game that was coming out. And I got really burnt out on that. 
And nowadays I just, I don't even pick games. I'm like, if I get inspired, I'll make something. I mean, last year I only covered two games in my songs. It was Elden Ring and God of War. And uh, that was only because when I was playing those, the ideas for songs just started coming to me naturally because of the themes. And that's kind of how I operate now. It's like, if I get inspired, great. If I don't, I'm not going to force it. And I'm lucky enough to be in a position now where I can uh, do it that way. Because back in 2014, 2015, it was like much more focused on I have to keep up with the algorithm or I'll go broke. <laughs> yeah. But uh, th thanks to Valhalla Calling now being my day job, that's not an issue anymore. And the numbers for the songs, the other songs have gone up a lot since that song blew up as well. So that's really nice. The Elden Ring songs and the God of War song this year performed really, really well. So I was really happy with that. Oh, I did a Horizon uh, Forbidden West <laughs> song as well. That's three three games this year. Yeah, Strong choices, though. I mean, Elden yeah. Ring, God of War were huge. I mean, the two hugest games of the year, I think. So... Both with wonderful stories with a lot to do. I mean, I did three Elden Ring songs. So. Mm -hmm. <laughs> there was one for Radan, there was one for Rani, and there was one about kind of the, the the universe at large and the tarnished. And that game just blew my mind. I, I, I th I've played through it nonstop since it came out. And every time I play, try to play another game now, I'm like, this isn't Elden Ring. <laughs> <laughs> it kind of ruined other open world games for me. Probably for a lot of people. <laughs> it took over for a while, definitely. I have not touched it because I'm afraid of getting sucked into it. And I'm like, I have a whole bunch of other games that I want to play. And if I start Elden Ring, I might not stop. Yeah, it's 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 a life eater and a life changer, that game. It's like once you play it, you just realize what's lacking in so many open world games these days. And it just really... The sense of pure freedom and of exploration in that game is just incredible. And actually, uh, funny enough, being on this podcast, Cyberpunk 2077 is the only other open world game that I really still play a lot nowadays. Because oh. uh, I kind of have a similar vibe with Cyberpunk that I did with Elden Ring and that there's so much off the beaten path for you to find that if you just take like a few hours to just not do the story and not do side missions and just wander around and explore. There's a lot to find. And that's, that's my favorite thing in video games is when you get to go off the beaten path and make your own little adventures. I think one of the coolest little, not in actual mission um, moments is you can go to a top, a rooftop and all of a sudden it will start raining no matter what the rest of the city's weather is like. And then mm -hmm. It reenacts the scene from Blade Runner, uh, the final ending. And so I was like, you don't know that this is here unless you go and you find it by exploring and jumping to top random rooftops. It's There's a lot of stuff uh, hidden on the rooftops in that game. A lot of Easter eggs and uh, loot. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I hope they do more with that in the... Um... In the DLC, I hope they a give us a lot more interiors to explore and a lot of uh, a lot more ways to just exist in the city. Like I, I know a few of the devs on the game, and I've told them my number one request is to just be able to exist in the city in more ways. Like, let me go for a beer with Panam, 
like let me go clubbing with Judy, let me watch a movie with River, let me show Takamura some like cool music that's the in music because he probably never heard the cool music, you know, little things like that. I would love in the game to just exist in Night City without the the pressure of the main story, you know. That sounds amazing. So why don't you tell us a little bit about your V? You know, it's your background, My your v? play style. Which one? <laughs> <laughs> I've done like, I've done two almost 100% playthroughs and I've got a third one. So they're all different. Um, my first V was Nomad. And the reason I picked Nomad was because as a new player discovering Night City for the first time, I didn't know the city streets. I didn't know the layout. So I felt it would be suitable that my V also wasn't so familiar with the city itself. Um, it was more immersive for me that way. I know most people kind of picked Street Kid, I think, on their first playthrough, and I did that on my second run. And uh, it doesn't really make a huge difference, though, does it? <laughs> Not really. Uh, I went Corpo on my first run. Ah, uh, cool. <laughs> yeah. I, I had, like, two for my first one because I was, like, that was back when I was, like, testing out streaming a bit so i had like stream versus you know my personal time so but nomad was like my what i gravitated to uh, i've i always have i mean i just love the idea of them the nomads and their whole thing you know <clears throat> i play a lot of cyberpunk red i got nomad characters in that it's just the nomad storyline in the game is great as i really liked all those side missions mm-hmm feels the most personal i think for a lot of the missions is is that whole thing so yeah and it's not as um for me also it's not quite as dark and depressing as judy and um rivers <laughs> stories yeah <laughs> uh i love i i love me a good dark story but sometimes i just want a story that is about hope and like you know <laughs> And I felt the Nomad story had a little bit of that in it. Yeah. My poor wife, uh, she's not a gamer at all. And we're watching The Last of Us uh, at the moment. And every week she's like terrified, sad, upset, crying, and then spends the rest of the week going, I can't wait for the next episode. And she's like, it can't. And she, after episode three, she's like, surely it can't get more sad than this, can it? I'm like, Oh, you <laughs> just you, you wait. <laughs> you ain't seen nothing yet. <laughs> so, um, actually, that was one of the reasons I didn't enjoy The Last of Us 2 so much was because uh, the bleakness and the relentless misery just got to me eventually. And I just kind of got lost interest halfway through. I was like, okay, well, everything, when everything that happens is awful and bad all the time, and everyone's miserable all the time and everyone dies and gets hurt. And it's just, I've, I've become so burnt out on it now that I don't care anymore. And that's why I loved the, the nomads quest in uh, cyberpunk. Cause there was a lot of hope there and a lot of kind of, I won't say positivity, <laughs> but there was a bitter, bitter, sweet hope in there. I think. Yeah. Cause even when things were going really bad, you had the family of the nomads to kind of fall back on. You knew that, you weren't the only one going through this sadness. You weren't the only one trying to survive. Exactly. You had your family. Exactly. I wish I got more time with them. 
And actually, I, I always pick the Nomad ending. I don't want to spoil anything, but I presume people know there are different endings to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, none, none of the endings satisfy. I have to say my biggest problem with the game, and this is another thing I've given as feedback, but this is never going to be changed because it's so intrinsic to the game. But my biggest problem with Cyberpunk was how at odds the story was with the open world uh, sandbox nature of the mechanics of the game. They just don't seem to gel with each other. It's like the kind of feeling of urgency and finality that goes with the story is very much at odds with the very free and open and time wasty feel <laughs> of the open world. Yeah. Yeah, I can see that. It's uh it's definitely you feel rushed and yeah. but like then you take the time and go like, well, technically a week is past of me just exploring. Yeah. Fucking around, uh, jumping on buildings. Should I be dead right now? Uh, probably, yeah. right? Like, yeah. No, you just. I mean, when that... I play the game, it's like I am not. I just kind of ignore the story until I have to do it because I, it's so much fun to do everything else that uh, I just kind of put the story on the back burner. Time only moves forward when you're doing main quest lines. Time yeah. just you're you're in a time bubble while you're side questing and exploring. The so. Developers stop making urgent storylines and open world games challenge. <laughs> <laughs> it's in it's in so many games. Fallout Four, even Witcher Three fell victim to it a little bit. Um, I'm like, just give us a quest that only moves when we want it to. That's I think well, even Skyrim had that problem a little bit as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and Mass Effect also, Mass Effect 3 definitely had that. The Reapers are invading, they're invading. Oh, but stop off on this side planet to maybe help a little yeah. one Volus I dude. Have, <laughs> I have to make up with my dad. Can you, like, delay the Reaper invasion, please? <laughs> <laughs> oh. To be fair to Mass Effect, though, Mass Effect is a bit more focused um, in mm. its kind of, like, it's a lot smaller uh levels wise and stuff like that so i think mass effect kind of didn't require as much of a suspension of disbelief with it as like maybe skyrim or cyberpunk or any of those games fallout fallout 4 i just never i finished the story once and in all my playthroughs i just never bothered again because i just don't care about my son I really don't care. I just want to explore and have fun and climb up on the the buildings. And speaking of games with surprisingly great vertical exploration, Fallout 4, a lot of people who play the game don't actually know there's like a whole upper level to the city of Boston that you can explore. And once you get up there, it's 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 amazing. It's so open and there's like this whole like sky city in Fallout 4 that a lot of players never even find. Hmm. I'm playing my first Fallout 4 playthrough right now. I've got like 80 hours into it so far. Uh, I think I am getting... I, I actually am at like the end game mission. I could go start and uh, go get into the Institute. But I'm just having fun right now. I'm building up all my settlements and collecting all the companions. You don't... Not to spoil anything, but finding the institute isn't uh, no going back point. You can find, you can go into the institute and still be able to do everything you want to do. Oh, okay, good to know. Mm-hmm. The game actually tells you when it's hitting the point of no return. So, mm, I love that in games. <laughs> yeah. 
It's yeah, definitely preferable. <clears throat> uh, do you have a favorite play style though for Cyberpunk? Just curious. Um, I tended to. I'm pretty boring, to be honest with you. I like <laughs> I like assault rifles and I like hacking. Um, so I'll basically just soften up the room with a few hacks, and then just mow everyone down with an assault rifle and a shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> I see these yep. players doing the crazy melee builds where they're running in with swords and stuff, but I, I, I'm 42 and my eyes aren't the best. I think I would get sick if I played <laughs> that playstyle. Mm. <laughs> I just get dizzy even watching the videos of the melee builds. That's what I did. Was the mm. melee build because it's all about building your was it cold blooded or something? It just makes you insanely fast. Yeah. An attack yeah. insanely fast. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, for me, it's all like uh, hack all the cameras, hack everyone, knock them all out. And that really overpowered, um, what's it called, where you make everyone get sick. Contagion. Uh, Contagion. Yeah, <laughs> it's so OP. And then I basically just go in and mop up the survivors with an assault rifle and a shotgun. <laughs> That's my play style. <laughs> I love doing, um, I actually really like uh, blunt weapons also. So I'll contagion everybody and then just go hit them a few more times Lock until they head. pass out. Yep. <laughs> nice. Nice. I love that there's so many ways to play that game, actually. Um, it was one of the things that got me hooked when it first came out. Yes, I liked the game a lot when it first came out. Shoot me. <laughs> I was I was in love with the game when it first came out. I'm not even like that's it was my it was my number two on my games of the year list for that year after uh, Ori and the Will of the Wisps. And if if the game had been finished when it came out, it probably would have been easily my game of the year. Yeah, I think I mean I think the real thing because people that were able to play it like me, I have a you know decently spec PC, so. I didn't have that many problems with it, you know, some bugs, but none of them were game breaking bugs. So I was able to play it through to completion and it was fine. But a lot of people, the console yeah. players or, you know, lower spec PCs, it was just like it was unplayable because it was just too exactly. much. Yeah. So. And I'm I'm very aware of how fortunate I was to play it on a I think I was on a 3080 when I played it at launch. And of course, that is going to give you a better experience i didn't have any i honestly really didn't have many bugs i i was like i think i'm playing a different game but i did watch the footage that the console players were ha having and it was i can understand why people were upset about that really yeah so i have to know who is your favorite romance uh oh it's been pan am in every playthrough <laughs> all right easy yeah I was expecting. I, I gotta figure that once he said he really liked the nomads. I'm so boring and vanilla. Look at in Mass Effect, Miranda every time. In, oh, inside Madame every time. You know. <laughs> I guess Toast. it just reflects my real life tastes. I'm a I'm a cis straight guy. You know. <laughs> uh, I am I a like carry my, my, my my wife is a brown eyed brunette, so I, I tend to gravitate towards brown eyed brunettes. <laughs> but um, I think my... a, a lot of people love Judy, don't they? <laughs> Judy's <laughs> life. 
I've, I've made no, uh, everyone knows that. I've so. been Judy, the Judy, number one Judy supporter since like my second Patreon episode when I had already finished the game. Um, mm. And since then, so everyone knows that, you know. Uh, but Judy's awesome. No, nothing against Judy. It's just, you know, Pan Am number one. <laughs> no, for sure. And I romance Carrie. I cannot get enough of that man. So I love that there is that aspect for like all of us have the different choices and we all have those reasons for liking these characters so much. And I love that. Uh, the other show that I do uh, analyzes video game romances. So I know I've played out so many different romances and watched so many different videos, just learning more about like how much more you find out about a character once you actually mm -hmm. enter a relationship with them. You find out mm -hmm. so much more about Miranda than you would if you didn't romance mm -hmm. her. Um, and yeah. so... I love that romance is definitely a part of cyberpunk. I wish there was a little bit more to it, um, but that's a whole separate issue. Maybe in the DLC. Maybe you can Maybe. romance the president. Who knows? I'm weird with like video game romances. Like I'll, I'll, I'll let my character do it if it's in the game, but I don't really care much about it. <laughs> like I'm never a romance in a game. It's never a selling point to me. If it's in it, yeah, okay, cool. If it's not, eh, whatever. You know, although I, I there's a game called Divinity Original Sin 2, which I do think it's uh, some of the romances in that game are just so funny. You can't not do them. It lets you romance a literal pile of bones. So. <laughs> okay, wait. <laughs> I need to put this game on my list. <laughs> oh, if, if you like um, Bioware's games, then definitely play Divinity Original Sin 2, because the writing in that game and the companions that you meet... Um, they're as good as the ones in Dragon Age and Mass Effect. It is an old school CRPG though, so if you're like me, uh, just put it on easy mode because I'm so bad with turn-based combat, mm. and I just I put it on the easiest mode available because <laughs> I don't I'm too impatient to uh, to be tactical. <laughs> Jen just added it to the list for 2025. Uh, I did. <laughs> <laughs> it's like actually on the paper. No, I'll play it and then add it to the master list of episodes we have coming up. Um, but okay, so back to 2077, because I've been trying to figure this out for myself because each mission in 2077 is a song title and like the genres are so wild and varying and most of the time it relates back to the mission at hand but not always um what what are your thoughts on that do you think it's part of johnny like are they playing up to johnny's rocker boy or do you think that it, there is actually a theme to it and i've just missed it i don't know i don't know why they did it and i don't know what it's I presume it's to do with Johnny, but I loved that they did it. Um, when I started realizing that they were song titles, I was like, oh, this is so cool. I loved some of them were just so perfectly chosen, like like Pyramid Song for the underwater level um, with Judy, because, of course, that Radiohead songs video is all underwater. 
and the song is about jumping into the the river and swimming underneath and some of the the, the song titles they chose were just so perfect for the missions but i've like i have no idea why <laughs> i have no idea what was the decision making process i presume it's to do with uh, a musician living in your brain <laughs> As as someone with a musician living in their brain, uh, you do tend to think of things in terms of music and songs a lot. Oh, yeah. Okay, the musician in your brain is telling you that everything you're doing is musically related. I like yes, that. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I guess another question that I had is that when it comes to creating music based on a game that already has music in it, does that influence the tones and style that you use? Or do you go with what you feel fits better instead? Um, <clears throat> that's a good question. I don't have a set rule for that. Uh, it's different each time. But I would say most of the time, yes, the soundtrack influences how I make the song sound. Uh, unless I feel, unless the emotions or whatever that the game gave me feel different to the soundtrack. Uh, one example would be um, Breath of the Wild. The soundtrack in that is very minimalistic. And when I made the song, I did take influence from the soundtrack with like the piano and stuff, but I made it much more big and epic sounding and over the top and kind of grandiose than the actual soundtrack of the game, which is very small, uh, surprisingly small sounding in comparison to the grand scope of the actual game, you know. But uh, with Cyberpunk, well, the funny thing with Cyberpunk is I made most of the songs before it came out. Um, but I know Marcin and we've worked together on other games and I... I heard his music and I didn't get to hear any of the soundtrack before the game out only what other people had heard, but I had a fairly good idea of what it would sound like. And um, also for me, of course, because City of Night, I wrote that after seeing one trailer. <laughs> and it was very different sounding to the song that they used in that trailer. But I didn't have quite the skill or, or the gear at the time to make that song how I really envisioned it in my head. And it was nice to revisit that song just before the game came out and completely remake it and actually make it sound how I always imagined it sounding in my head with a really kind of futuristic shine to it. And I, I love the remake we did of City of Night. It's one of my favorites. Um, and that was very much influenced by the visuals uh, and what I imagined the soundtrack was going to be like. Visuals are huge for me, um, sometimes even more than the music. Like I, I have like really strong synesthesia and uh, colors or everything and, and visuals. And when I'm making music, a lot of the time, it's me trying to give a representation and sound of the images I've been seeing in front of me for how many hours in the games. So I wanted the sound of neon and dark streets and mist and, you know, uh, all of the cool Night City stuff. That was how that sounded in my head, like pink and black and green, neon green and blue and that's what City of Night was for me, trying to express that in, in a sound. <laughs> and then we use I mean, little snippets from the Neon Red song um, yeah, in our well, show. Speak, speaking, of, 
speaking of synesthesia, neon red, I mean. <laughs> but then, of course, that's also uh, a double reference to the uh, developer and to the cyberpunk red. So sorry, I interrupted you there, Gone. Oh, no, that that's great. That's I love that, that it's. And then because like for me, I thought it was referencing to like when you're in like the hacking and then things will go red. And so to know that it's also a play on CD Projekt Red and Cyberpunk Red, that's that's really cool. And it's also a play on um, it's also just a play on the kind of uh, violent emotions that, that are being felt with like cyber psychosis and stuff like that. I, I don't like to explain that song too much, actually, because it's it's written in a way that's meant to be kind of out to people's own interpretation so i might just like let people interpret that one their own way <laughs> um and actually i've tried to that's one thing i've done a lot more over the years as well um since i moved away from the kind of meme songs is to write in a way that the listener can take their own meaning from the words even if they've played the game a line might meet, mean like four different things to four different people you know oh Yes. Um, what, what does what, I'm just a number writing solo in the code mean? You know, <laughs> that might mean something completely different to one person or, or some, someone else, you know. When you said that, uh, it was from a while ago, but in Sovngarde song, you use the phrase, my voice is my violence. Now, in the context of the game, it's because of your thooms and you're yelling at that. But that line affected me at a point in my life where I was like, I wasn't physically capable of doing something, but I had a voice. And I could use my voice to get what I needed. And so I was like, my voice is my violence. I can't take this out on you physically, but I can definitely (laughs) yell back. Um, So I love hearing stuff like that. I love hearing how the song, a song that I made will like mean something different to someone else and, and in context of their own life and experiences. That was... That was definitely. And you can't really do that when you're saying, you know, you'll never be better than Commander Shepard. There's not really many ways you can interpret (laughs) that. Yeah. (laughs) You can fight like a Krogan, run like a leopard, but you'll never be better than Commander (laughs) Shepard. There's no interpretation of that. You're not really going to be like, I'm not going to be getting emails about that one from people saying that really helped me during a a tough period of my life because, you know, I related to the lyrics. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Oh. But yeah, cyberpunk, like both visually and and, and, uh, music wise, it's just such an inspiring. uh, I don't know. I've never played the old school RPG, so I only know it from the video game. But the genre as a whole is just really, uh, it's got such a distinct look. And for me, that is really inspiring. Like, there's just something about those dark streets with the neon and the, the mist and the mystery of what might be around every next corner and just the the majesty of these huge skyscrapers. And I'm obsessed with skyscrapers and I refer to them in so many, like, black spires in the city sky, they shimmer and shine tonight. And then in the Deus Ex song, there's high-tech cathedrals rise and fall in great ravines. And that basically just is saying there are skyscrapers everywhere, you know? (laughs) Yeah, well, it's like you find the thing that you are really intrigued by and somehow it leaks into so many different aspects of your life. 
Um, yeah. Yeah. I know. I, my mom, uh, whenever she's joking about my career these days, and she's like, to think I used to shout at you and tell you to stop playing those bloody video games. <laughs> oh. And now look at you. <laughs> my mom has said, I'm so happy I put that Nintendo controller in your hand. So. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> those were the days Nintendo... Nintendo NES and SNES and those yeah. those there were some real classics. I, um, <laughs> a Link to the Past was literally the first game I ever really fell in love with. Like that game was so ahead of its time and so unlike any other game at the time. It's just mind blowing. Oh, uh, my sister and I poured so many hours into uh, like the first Mario game. We that was our game every day after school. Uh, I was always player one because I'm older. That game was, was so difficult. <laughs> like, yeah, I don't think I ever finished it. I would get to world eight and never be able to beat world eight. I don't know if I've ever seen end credits on Mario, but I remember yeah. playing a lot when I was a kid. <laughs> we finished. We finished Mario two and we finished Mario three, but I don't think we were able to finish Mario Brothers one. It was just too hard. <laughs> <laughs> I and also... ironically as a as a massive from software fan it might sound weird what i'm about to say but i don't miss when video games were all really difficult <laughs> from from softs are probably the only difficult games i will tolerate the difficulty in <laughs> i think there's a difference between difficult and challenging games that make you think or play different tactics like running one tactic way through an entire game in comparison to no the controls are difficult it's hard to maneuver it's hard to actually beat this game because you the the mechanics exactly. of it you yeah know. because probably like, well yeah you're totally right there because from soft games are more about knowledge than skill um, that's why someone like me is able to beat them. You can you can completely trivialize Elden Ring with with a good build. <laughs> like mm -hmm. you can make the game really easy mode once you know what to do. But the challenge comes from learning how to do all that stuff. So, Sorry. did you play? Uh, did you two play Cyberpunk on hard at all? I've kind of stuck to normal, but I'm kind of tempted to try the hard mode for my third big run. Um, when the DLC comes out. So I have, but specifically when I did, it was before they like, I can't remember what update it was, but they've since modified it to where the hard difficulty is actually uh, kind of difficult because back mm -hmm. whenever like the first game first came out, um, I think like, I at some point I cranked that up to like very hard and it was still very a very easy game like there was no difficulty there at all um, because like depending on your build it was just like well that's the thing I feel like I feel like the difficulty curve is a little bit backwards in the game like it starts pretty challenging but once you start unlocking all the powers and hacking and everything that's when it, it gets a lot easier towards the end game which yeah. is why I was always kind of uh I start on normal and it feels good to me, but then by the end of the game, it feels a little bit too easy. So yeah, I was I, thinking maybe, maybe start on hard mode this time and make myself shout. 
<laughs> Get yeah, mad. I, I think the I think that there was some update where they changed it to where like now playing in like a hard mode actually like is I think extremely difficult at the beginning um and i'm sure it levels out i mean once you get your build going it's always going to get easier but i think Mm -hmm. the enemies scale a bit more okay i mean so uh, i mean you get to a point in the game where you you just have like all enemies just shooting you with smart weapons so you just cannot avoid damage at all so you have to play very carefully so yeah because on normal you're basically god by the end of the game (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. yeah, I think this my most recent playthrough. I think I am on. I think I'm playing it on hard or very hard. I can't remember exactly, but I die a lot, and I think I'm at like level, almost like level thirty, and I'm still dying rather frequently. So, but I am trying different. Like I'm not playing my go-to. I'm trying to play a bit more like, I guess, tactical and gunny and. I think is it makes I think using guns can make the game actually a bit more difficult whenever you actually have to like aim and and I guess yeah play play more tactically whenever you're with a, a bunch of enemies that are are in, and they start getting I think uh, the cyberware kind of like starts mm-hmm. ramping up a bit of like fighting tiger claws at this level I, I don't even want to I don't even want to do it. I like because there's always those people that like the super dodgy ones and they don't run out of dodge. They just keep doing it. So you're hitting like, I don't know, 12% of your shots because they just dodge every bullet. And it's like, stop it, please. (laughs) Like eight grenades later, I finally kill them, but it takes a minute. Yeah, we'll see. I may, I may drop to normal if the experience is is too frustrating. (laughs) I'm not not good with difficult games at all well you can like you can mitigate that like there's the i mean you just you just pop on like the cripple movement cyberware those guys are you're they're they're you know slabs of meat at that point but although i did like uh the witcher 3 i thought was good on the harder mode because uh it just felt it made you use the potions and things a little bit more and I, i i liked that having to kind of prepare for the fights and things so I kind of I always play Witcher Three on not the hardest because that can piss not off. Death March, yeah. No, no, no. The one, the one just below that is perfect yeah. for me. <laughs> yeah, I've never, I've never even played it on Death March. I'm not, I'm not good enough at video games, so me, me I don't too. even bother. <laughs> My Death March playthrough, I think, is what made me switch off of Witcher Three and starting play other games. Oh, really? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, because I I am a new girl. I am a new pl- new game plus girl, big time. Like I am always like, okay, let's go again, let's go again, let's go again. So I mean, I started my death march run with like a level seventy five Geralt, and I'm like, maybe that wasn't smart because the enemies are also level seventy five, but oh, okay. I've got level <laughs> one gear, <laughs> so oh, I'm like. Not yeah. good. Wow. Yeah, that's like um, all of the the Souls games as well. Will when it when you start a new game, the enemies all get harder with each new game plus. And you, you're it, it, you. What it usually means is you stomp everything in the first half of the game, but then it starts to get really difficult in the late stages. Um, yeah, I think. I mean, 
those general like scenarios is it becomes it less it becomes less about like uh you know level difference or gear difference or whatever like with death march the key is not to have better gear the key is to just not get hit yeah. <laughs> whether that's like popping a quinn or perfectly which i mean that's what it looks like whenever i watch a souls game is mm-hmm. that like it's just like let me just roll around for a while until the 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 attack frame that i can actually hit them uh without worrying about taking damage and then start rolling again <laughs> i can't uh, i can't wait to actually play that game again it unfortunately the um the next gen version just unfortunately didn't like my pc rig for some ver- for whatever reasons and mm. actually we took it as an opportunity because my uh mix guy and me we were we're remastering a lot of old songs at the moment and wake the white wolf was going to be the opening song for the remasters album but we couldn't quite get it sounding the way i wanted with my old mix and uh due to me being delayed and being able to play the game because of the way it got released uh we took that as an opportunity and now uh, i'm going to completely remake wake the white wolf from the ground up that's like a, a a nice way to celebrate whenever I can get The Witcher 3 working on my PC again. Because <laughs> I got to capture footage for the video as well, so I have to wait until the game works for me. So I'm looking forward to that because I love the game so much and I can't wait to replay it. Oh, amazing. Oh, Wake the White Wolf is good. Lilac and Gooseberries. Oh, okay, now I'm just going to have to go and listen to all the music all over again, um, which... I was surprised how well that song did actually, um, the Yennefer song. I, I I thought because the video had the show in it as opposed to the game, it wouldn't do as well. But yeah, it did did pretty good. All right. Yennefer is superior. Oh, yeah. Are I you Yennefer or Triss? I wasn't too happy with some of the things the writers made her do in the second season of the show, though. Mm. I kind of, uh, I don't, I don't know. <laughs> I wasn't a fan of, of her choices in season two, and it felt a little bit at odds with the character that I knew. So we'll see how that ends up. Well, we know how it's going to end up. In, I mean, that show is getting cancelled. So, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. There's no way they'll last more than one season without Henry. They won't. I'm, I, I honestly don't even know if I'll get to a fourth season. In my opinion, you're like, we'll see this third season. Um, of course, we'll have Henry, but like, considering how many changes from like the original material there has to be in this, I, I, I mean. I, I highly doubt it. I, I don't. I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you watch Blood Origin. Actually, don't. You know what? I shouldn't get started on that. Never mind. <laughs> that's, that's a rabbit hole we can't afford to go down. I don't even. I'll be honest with you. I don't even know if I'm going to watch season three because knowing how it ends, it's like mm, you know. <laughs> I they say, say they have found a very tasteful way to send Henry off. I'm like, have you though? I've heard a lot of things come out of the writers' mouths that they were kind of very confident about. And when it actually, when I actually saw it, I was like, mm, I think you were talking yourselves up a bit there. <laughs> oh, they, they definitely do. They definitely yeah. do. We see what happens whenever they have 
the opportunity to do an original story for themselves. Um, and we got Blood Origin. That's why I think actually The Last of Us uh, works a lot better is because they really do honor the source material. And when they make changes, they're not changes that shit all over the source material. Like episode three of The Last of Us, I was explaining to my wife, I was like, you don't get to see any of this in the game, but it's such a brilliant addition because it builds the universe. I know a lot of people didn't like that it didn't move the plot forward. I disagree with that. I think the the letter that Bill wrote to Joel is what moves the plot forward. And that was the whole point of the episode was Joel reading Bill's letter. But uh, yeah, I, that's how you make changes to source material. It's not by completely changing everything people love about it, like the Witcher seems to want to do <laughs> yeah no yeah no I, honestly i think that episode three of last of us deserves an award I, I think it was just an incredible episode and i'm not as like i never finished the last of us it's something on my to-do list but i played through i think most of it um yeah. and and i mean what they're doing with it i mean for someone who's like i said i've only played through the part I played through one time and I was still, you're still able to look at it and see the parts where you're like, I, I've experienced this before playing this game. I mean, like it's oh, yeah. it was, some of the scenes are word for word. It's, it's like, and like the, I mean, the first episode, I was just stunned by the fact that they had the exact like framing of the car scene and like the parts yeah. that like happen in the game that are just yeah. directly copied. And it was like, and okay. some of the some of the lines that they knew people would remember from the game, like that you can't deny the view. I was hoping that line was coming, and when it came at the exact same moment as the game, I was like, "Yeah, that." Those are the little things that make you happy. <laughs> mm-hmm. We'll see how it goes. I'm not I'm not a hundred percent sold on Bella Ramsey yet. Uh, I know that's probably a controversial opinion. I don't know if she can carry. Um, some of the things she's going to have to carry, but we'll see. Maybe she'll surprise me. Uh, speaking of really good adaptations, did you watch all of Edge Runners? Uh, yes. I'm not into anime at all. We'll just get that out of the way. Uh, I tried. Uh, I, li- I I enjoyed the big movies like Ghost in the Shell and Akira. I thought they were really cool. But in general, anime just does nothing for me. The, the, the style they use to tell those stories, because it's so, um, what's the word? I'm not, because it's so over the top and overacted, it always comes across really goofy to me, and I find it hard to get into it. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought it was cool. The visuals were amazing. Um, the, obviously, the music is, was fantastic in it. And uh, it was a good opportunity to give Neon Red another... Uh, another cool video as well <laughs> yeah uh with david and lucy running around uh i watched that one recently oh it's so good um but you now the the music in there they definitely play with it a lot more um because now it's like whenever i hear some of those songs they'll pop up on my spotify and i'm just like no why am i randomly crying again oh because it's the song that they play in the final scene that's why you're crying again <sighs> so. yeah that was some heavy go heavy going in that last episode jesus <laughs> yeah. it's i mean Speaking yeah. of dark, dark endings <laughs> yeah yeah i mean like you said that before like it was like 
you know, you like having like that bit of hope. And it's like mm-hmm. some of these things, I mean, like these these specific, like some of these specific settings, it's like like yeah, the hope is what we cling to, but in the end there's still none. I mean, this is it is cyberpunk. Like it bad like you expect they, bad things to happen and they are gonna yeah. happen, unfortunately. <clears throat> exactly. And that's why the endings in the video game are great endings for a cyberpunk story. Mm-hmm. but not so much for an open world sandbox game right yeah yeah for sure but i love that edge runners like gave the game a whole new lease of life and people are realizing now after uh, there's a thing that happens and you've seen it recently with Forspoken as well that um when a game isn't as, as good as people expect or there's problems with it there's this massive hate train on youtube and social media because people know they'll get clicks for hating on something and they'll pick out all the worst parts like in Forspoken there was that really cheesy <laughs> cheesy Marvel style dialogue that I kept seeing going around and uh, people just love to hate something but then when you reevaluate a little bit later when there's been time to kind of think about it and everyone's played it I'm glad that Cyberpunk got another shot because as I said I liked it from the beginning I thought it was a great story in a great game it's got the best interactive um conversation system i've ever seen in a game i don't know why that doesn't get talked about enough the conversations in cyberpunk are more immersive than any other video game i've ever played there's nothing like it they're so incredibly detailed and wonderfully animated and the way they go seamlessly from the world into those conversations and it's just amazingly done um, I just, I'm glad people are kind of recognizing now, two years later, that it's it's actually a really good video game, you know? And even when it's not voiced dialogue, is somebody sends you a text message and you have different options of what you want to reply with. It's not just a yeah. move story forward mechanic hit reply with what we've told you you're going to say. No. Yeah. yeah. Very immersive. Yeah. Mm-hmm. They did a great job. <laughs> so I, I can't wait for the, the next one. Um, I have a weird wish for the next one. I don't want it to be a night city. I'd love a new city to explore. Or I would love it to be so far in the future that, future that night City's like twice as big. So I have lots to explore. Oh, for the next cyberpunk game? Yeah. Yeah. I'm it's kind of like- wary of the uh, Breath of the Wild sequel, actually, because it's just the same map with a few holes in it. <laughs> Yeah. I'm definitely going to play Breath of the Wild 2. I am cuz it come it's supposed to come out at the end of May. Yeah. Uh, so I'm excited for that one. I am eagerly awaiting the Phantom Liberty DLC release date to come out. Um once we get that. Oh. That looks really really good. I love that they got Idris Elba. It's like how they were like, how can we possibly find someone who's as cool as Keanu? And then it's like, well, let's get Is- Idris fucking Elba. Right? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> uh, we were we were we were losing our minds. We were sitting doing a uh we're waiting to do an episode while we were like waiting for them to do the game awards. Um or show the because we were like, they're gonna show it. When is it gonna happen? Well, we're waiting. And so, definitely lost our minds. And you should get more uh, area in the in the DLC. So. 
to yeah i, I hope they open up more of the map i'd love to see some of the all those places they had in the concept arts before the game came out that didn't make it into the game i would love if those got unlocked and built and remember there was like that big glass building it was this really kind of a wealthy looking area with this huge glass building that looked like a museum or something. I was like, I couldn't wait to go and see that building. And then it wasn't in the game. <laughs> so I hope they, they do some of that. They put in extra areas to explore and more interiors to go into. And I'd even love if they put in a couple of little mini games, you know. Other than Roach Run? Other than Roach Run, yeah. <laughs> What was it about Gwent that was so immersive and addictive? Like I've never, I never play mini games and video games, but I got obsessed with Gwent in The Witcher Three. <laughs> I think it was because it was good. easy, and it was easy. It didn't require a whole lot of skill, and I think for me, that's what kept me hooked on it. <laughs> well, that and it's a good card game, and it was well thought out, and the rules made sense and it wasn't just thrown in there. Gwent can mm. actually be completely played on its own. What mm. was it? The joke just like last week, Toasty, that uh, The Witcher is just a trading card game with an RPG story surrounding it. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. yeah it's just it's just uh it's just a trading card game with RPG elements. So But I it's so funny because I don't play card games. I don't like them. I like I would never play the standalone Gwent game or and I would never play Hearthstone or but for some reason the Gwent in The Witcher 3 got me really addicted. <laughs> I think it's just cuz I mean it it's yeah it's easy it's fun it's not like I mean a standalone Gwent game is not like time consuming in itself you're going to end up playing more and more so then it will end up being time consuming but it's not like you know and also, Ger Ger Geralt's Gwent that he gets to play is totally pay to win. So I just bought all of the like really powerful cards and yeah. <laughs> easily won everything. Yeah, and you get more powerful cards as you're going, and you don't have to like, you don't really have to spend a lot of time like strategizing or deck no. building or anything. It's fairly simple, and it ties into the story. You get to see the characters, like like you know the characters you're looking at, which makes Absolutely. it more, I think, in likable yeah and once once you get siri it's like it's all over you're never going to lose a game again <laughs> <laughs> was it who was it gaunter who placed the first game of gwent with him or was it a different character this is a professor from oxford oh yeah that was it yeah. he meets gaunter odim in the same same bar tavern though doesn't he yeah yep. yeah wow. i would love something <laughs> something like that in cyberpunk or even like, do you remember in Grand Theft Auto uh, 4 when you would go drinking with your friends and they would get really drunk and fall around the streets and have funny conversations? I kind of wish there was something like that in Cyberpunk as well. <laughs> I was like, you definitely can get drunk and you'll do like the whole woozy animation, but yeah, you nobody ever reacts to the fact that you're stumbling around drunk. Like, I would love to just go get really drunk with Judy and, like, the two of us stumble out of a club at 2 a.m. and, like, fall over a bin and try and get her home and, like, have a great night. And, like, in the morning, the two of you wake up, like, on the floor or on the couch and it's like, oh. Yes. <laughs> burger, oh. burger in one hand and, like, <laughs> vodka in the other hand. 
<laughs> hangover scenes. Video games need more hangover scenes. True, true. Yeah. <laughs> so normally how we end our episode is that we go through and we talk about the other shows that we do. But the biggest thing that I make sure at the end of every episode is that we thank you for allowing your music to be so freely used in so many different ways and platforms. Uh, we put links to your YouTube channel and the uh, miraclesound.rocks in every episode description and I just wanted to personally thank you because it's like I've bought your music for the longest time and so I have all the downloads and I and on there and it's to be able to freely use it in this show is just amazing so I wanted to personally thank you on that and of course give Miracle of Sound a shout out go follow them on Spotify YouTube TikTok all the places are you on twitter also or are you not a big social media guy uh yeah i'm on twitter as well i don't use it all that much but uh yeah i try not to partake in twitter discourse these days <laughs> yeah i was a, a twitter addict around 2014 and 2015 and it was not healthy for my brain so i very much only use twitter now to kind of promote my work or make some silly jokes or post some screenshots of the games I'm playing, but taking part in discussions, I kind of tend to avoid. <laughs> yeah. Particularly in the last two weeks. <laughs> oh. Yeah. yeah. Um... I was actually, um, I did, I did a podcast for many years with Stephanie Sterling and Laura Dale, and I loved doing the podcast. It was so much fun. But I just found so much freedom when I left in not having to have an opinion on stuff. Um, mm. Because no matter what your opinion is, even I even remember like when when Cyberpunk came out and I liked it, there were people who were really angry about that, you know. And with with social media, I just I love not having to have opinions on things and just. I'll chat to my friends about games and I'll chat to my wife about things. And that's, that's enough. That's all who needs to know <laughs> my opinions on everything. Just here to make tunes, man. <laughs> <laughs> I, I want to just make people happy. I don't want to be involved in any discourse. <laughs> all right. Uh, so, is there anything else that you wanted to shout out or plug or things that you're working on right now that we can look forward to? And then we'll um, the show. Yeah, I always have new music coming out. Well, actually, I'm working on a remasters album at the moment. I'm working on an instrumental album, which will have actually quite a few cyberpunky style uh, instrumentals on it, which not the whole album, but there's about four tracks on it that actually have a very cyberpunky feel. And um, I'm also working on a new Viking drinking song called Skull, and that will be my final Viking song for a very long time because I'm burnt out on Vikings now. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, yeah, you can find me on TikTok, uh, on Twitter, on Facebook, on Instagram, on YouTube, on Spotify, all at uh, just Miracle of Sound. Well, thank you so much for coming on and nerding out with us about all things... <laughs> I guess that was kind of like all things, all things. We hit a lot of video games today. <laughs> yep. 
people will complain, hey, this is meant to be a cyberpunk podcast. I don't want to hear Gav going on about Elden Ring for 10 minutes. <laughs> it's fine. We do enough cyberpunk lore in the lore cast. Uh, we can definitely tangent and diverge. And that's what I think is so interesting about like the interviews and just talking to people about things that they love. Um, so, yeah. All right. Until next Thanks time. Thanks for having me. So that was an amazing interview, and I had so much fun, one, fangirling over somebody that I have adored for the last decade. But what about you? Did you like seeing your twin in real life? Yeah, uh, yeah no, it was, a, it was an incredibly interesting interview. Um, I don't have the same experience as you um, fangirling for a decade, um, but, you know, it was interesting. I definitely feel like I need to check out more of his catalog. Um, but, yeah, it was fun. It was cool getting his opinions on all on fucking everything. <laughs> right. We definitely went off of just talking about cyberpunk and talked about a lot of different games, but I feel like nerd genre is so intertwined and everything. You know, he's done music about Witcher. He's done music about Game of Thrones. So he's got a very vast repertoire of things to dive into and talk about. I definitely want to listen to his Witcher stuff. I know that for sure. The White Wolf song is so good. I, you know, and again, I could fangirl even more because I'm like, oh, yeah, you want a song about Bioshock? You want a song about... <laughs> it's like they're all in there. And what's really mm-hmm. cool about his YouTube channel is that he'll separate his playlist by game. So if you just want to listen to his Witcher songs, you can click on The Witcher and then it'll show that playlist. Nice. That makes it easier. Yeah. All right. I think we're good. So let's wrap it up for the night and we will see you all next week. And if you like to hear more from me, you can hear me on the two girls, one ship podcast where we analyze rate and review all that the world of video game romances has to offer. Yeah. And if you want to hear more of me and uh, occasionally Genesis as well, um, you can check out the, uh, witcher lore cast um we talk about you know everything witcher um and then i also do the cyberpunk red live play podcast cyberpunk cyberpunk apostrophe d with the fumbling for an almighty crit gang yeah and of course as literally in every episode i will shout out miracle of sound once again for not only being an amazing artist but being a super chill dude and thank him for coming on to the show to chat with us now while you're out there remember stay safe in night city When a wasteland detective and a vault girl cross paths, no criminal is safe. You're both under arrest. Don't move a muscle if you know what's good for you. Based in Bethesda's Fallout series, follow Walter and Bunny as they traverse the Texas Commonwealth and New Vegas, busting big crime rings. We'll need all we can to expand into Vegas territory. 
and surviving anything the wasteland can throw at them. It's him! It's the Mothman! Featuring a series of nail-biting narratives and guest stars from across the Fallout community, it's anybody's guess what thrilling case is up next. War never changes, does it, Bonnie? No, it certainly does not. True Vault Escapades, a Fallout audio drama, available anywhere you get podcasts. Thank <laughs> you.